All right, guys, happy Tuesday. Merry Christmas, we're glad you're here. Um, if you're new here, we don't normally all sit on stage like this, so we are doing... Maybe we uh, should, though. It kind of feels nice up here, guys. A little living room feel. I it's like it. something. It is something. But as you guys know, we kind of had our Q&A out for the whole dating series, and we've had you guys submit your questions, your comments, concerns, all things dating and relationships. So tonight, we are going to take some time and answer those questions. But as we kind of dive into those, we want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, because as we were reading these, we were kind of talking as a staff, and we just realized that... And every question that's asked, you know, there's a story behind it. And we know there's nuance to every question. And so as we're talking through these things tonight, we know that these are not black and white issues. And a lot of times there's a lot of follow-up questions. So we want you guys to know that we're all going to be up front. If you have more questions, if you want something explained better, we are happy to do that. Um, but just kind of a little disclaimer up front. We're going to have Andy kick us off in prayer, and we're going to get started. All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you. Um just for this opportunity to come together and talk about um, just a topic, Lord, that is on our minds, that we have a lot of fear and anxiety on. And Lord, that, that by doing this, we're, we're being obedient um, to bring all of our anxieties to you. God, would you continue to remind us that you care about us and you care about the things we care about. And so, God, would you use our words tonight um, to encourage and challenge um, and Lord, I pray that you would just give us the wisdom to answer these questions in a way that is honoring um, to the person that asked it, but also glorifying to you and, and true to your word. And so Lord, would you guide our conversation in your son's name? Amen. Amen. Okay, so before we guys get started, I want them to know the people who are answering their questions. So let's go down the list and just kind of say your name and then how long you were married and then how long were you dating and then engaged. All right. Not all at once. <laughs> I'm Taylor Roshkalb. Um, and Andy and I have been married 19 years. We dated for about two years. We're engaged for six months. So, yeah. I'm Andy. Ditto. Same story. <laughs> um, I'm Carly Grubbs. I'm married to Cole. And we have been married for five years. And um, we dated... Two years long distance, about, wait, hold on. 10 months Ten long months, distance. sorry. It would not have lasted for two years long Ten distance. 10 months long distance. <sighs> Maybe you should finish. I don't know. Two and a half months of dating. Oh my gosh, we're starting off strong. Two and a half years of dating, and then we've been married for five. Woohoo, okay, great job. And I'm cold, I belong to her. Thank goodness. Okay. So we're just going to hop right into it because we have a lot of questions. And as you know, we tend to run long at the gathering and we have a late night. So we're just going to dive right in. So first question is, physical touch is an important part of a relationship and is one of the love languages. How do I incorporate physical touch into a Christian relationship where it is not too much and still honors God? Taylor, I'm going to throw it to you. Starting off strong. Starting real strong. Yeah. Ooh, physical physical touch. touch. Okay. Well, I think when I read that question... The first part of the question is a statement, like that physical touch is really important. I'm like, well, okay, there's a, a large spectrum of what physical touch is, A, all right? And, and I agree, it is a, a gift. Um, and, and then the other part of that statement was that it's one of the love languages. And I just, I just wanted to be clear that love languages are not like in Philippians or something. <laughs> Like, that's not in the Bible, okay? So, so before I answer a question about physical touch and honoring um, God in that part of our lives and that part of dating, I just wanted to just kind of make it clear that the, the purpose of those love languages is to, is to honor other people. It's not to say, well, my love language is physical touch. So that means you have to touch me right? Because we wouldn't treat other love languages that way, would we? We wouldn't say, hey, my love language is gifts. So every time we see each other, I will not feel loved unless you buy me a present, okay? So I just want to be clear that before we answer anything about physical touch, that it's, I don't know, I just, I just wanted to address that right there. And I think, um, you know, when, I, when I, I think about the gift of physical touch, there's a lot of, of touching that's non-sexual, that's non-sensual. Um, if you have 
if that's an important part of the way you receive love and you aren't dating someone, right? Like you can go hug your mama. So, or your, or your friends or whatever. Anyway, so I just, I don't know. Does that make sense? No, I think that makes, makes sense. Am I, am I, uh, no. I don't know why we started with this question. I'm sweating. <laughs> Start and sweat. um, Well, and I want to hear your thoughts, Cole, as well, because you guys talked about dating long distance, which yes. touch really does not play a part when you're in that scenario. So I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, when you're dating, I think the gift for us when we dated long distance, like I said, 10 months. I know we were a little fuzzy on our timelines there for a second. Um, but that 10 months was such a gift for us um, because it forces you to communicate and you have to build a foundation of friendship first, and you're not in the same city uh, where you could just kind of sit and um, be together and, and like watch The Office, but instead, like, we had FaceTime dates all the time, and, like, that's how we did it, and it sounds so cheesy, but it forced us to communicate and kind of uh, build that foundation, so, yeah. Yep, that's great. Okay, next question. We're just gonna keep it rolling. Is how does a Christian couple peacefully resolved conflict while fighting. Cole, back to you. Great. <laughs> I, I have to remind myself of this passage of scripture that I have read in here uh, in our times of worship, but Philippians 2, um, specifically 1 through 5, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of, in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So I think successful relationships, and you're probably rolling your eyes hearing me read that passage, but I have to remind myself of that daily. And successful relationships are rooted in humility. And so, uh, and conflict is a good thing. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't had conflict, try to find something to just like argue about. Because it's, it's so healthy and it's part of it. It's part of life. And as you find your person, um, be sure you know how to, how to deal with conflict and how to have an argument. Um, all with the foundation of being rooted in Christ, rooted in humility. So that's what well, I would I've got say. A, I, I want to add on that. Well, one of the, the scariest things, I've done some weddings and I, I get to do some premarital counseling with, with couples. One of the scariest things that comes up is when they tell me that they've never fought. They've never had an argument. Because what that tells me immediately is someone is stuffing down their feelings, their perspective. They don't feel like they're gonna be heard. Something's being hidden. Um, and so I think that, that there is, we're human. <laughs> And fighting is, is natural and disagreements are, are gonna happen. And so I love what you're saying, Cole, is, is, is not about winning. Our culture says when you argue, you need to win to be validated, to be worth, to whatever. And I think going into uh, conflict or fighting with the mentality of I gotta win is how you lose in a relationship. It really is. That's good. Yeah, I would say on, on top of that, one thing that's really helped Andy and I is to assume positive intent. Like for me not to see him say something, hear him say something or see him do something and have like a reaction to it and then sort of connect the dots in my own mind in a way that doesn't honor him and just assume the worst or assume that he's trying to hurt my feelings or whatever it is um, to honor him in and then when I have a conversation with him, when you said this, this is kind of what I thought you meant. Is that true? Like just that kind of thing to assume positive intent in the way you approach the person. That's good and really practical too. Yeah. Okay, so the next one rolling right along is how do you actually date in a community where everyone seems to know one another? Andy, I'm gonna toss it to you. You know, the, this, is, <laughs> this, is an inter this is a really good question. Um, I'm, I'm, I was glad that someone asked it because um, you guys have heard me say like the last, back in October I met with the girls and I met with the guys and this topic came up in both conversations. Um, and I think it, it's just hard, okay? There, there is no silver bullet of like, this is how you do it with, with zero complexity and everything works out. Um, it is complicated because we are complicated and specifically to this ministry, the Young Adult Ministry of Crossings, like, 
this, I mean, there's a lot of people in here, but relatively speaking, it's a small environment. And so th th there is, there are issues that come up. So how do you do this? I think in a general sense, I think you, you need to realize that the people around you are your brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost. They're not someone to be conquered. They're not someone to be had or used. It is someone to love and care for and honor. Uh, you're gonna hear that word a lot, guys. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12, 10. Um, is date with honor as the goal. And then I think a couple things that I've seen over the last 10 years that, that make this even more difficult are two things. One is gossip. Gossip is a major problem where you're dating someone in the friend group and then everyone else knows everything that's going on the entire relationship. And then when, if it ends in a breakup, um, then we badmouth that person. And that is not an honoring thing to do. Um, and so like, like one of the, like one of the things that the, um, the guys group told me that was really interesting was how difficult, I asked them what are the hurdles to dating and, and one of the things they said was, well, it's really hard when the girls are always in their girl circle because if I go up and, and I try and initiate with somebody, what I'm also doing is telling every other girl in that group I'm not interested in you. And so if that relationship doesn't work out, now what does he do? Right? He's just inadvertently or subconsciously told every other girl, well, you're second choice. And so these bring up a lot of complications, and that's fine. But I think if we go at it from a standpoint of this is my brother in Christ, this is my sister in Christ, and date in such a way, like, this may be a weird way to think about it, but I also think about like, the chances of that relationship working are, you know, let's say 10%, 15%, whatever. Um, well, you're actually dating someone else's spouse, right? There's a good chance of that. And if that spouse is another brother or sister in Christ in your community, then treat them and date them and talk about them in such a way that um, keeps their good name, reputation, and, and, and possibilities open. So it, it, it's really a complicated issue, and it's not an, an easy thing. We've, I've seen it over the years. So anyway, that, that's my general sense is, is date... Um, with, with honor as the goal, and then especially when it comes to how you talk about them post-relationship, if you break up, is gossip destroys. It is like a little poison. Um, and, and we can actually say, hey, I didn't like them, so neither should you. And that's, that's not honoring. That's just not. So anyway, that, that's my short answer. I know that was long, but that was my short answer. <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that kind of came up when we were talking about this earlier was the flip side of that. So what happens when you're in a friend group, people start dating, and then you break up? So what, what about that question, little sub-question? Like you're the same friend group? Mm -hmm. Man, that, that, that's complicated, right? And I think that um, in some ways, that friend group that feels like they've gone through a divorce, like we gotta pick sides. And what I would say is like that's, you, you can go that direction, you don't have to. I think you can say, hey, they're still my friend. They're still the person I knew before they were in that relationship. And then as Taylor just said, treat them with that their intent was, was the best. That give them the benefit of the doubt. That hey, they're going through pain. And so to just ghost them and say, hey, you're no longer part of our friend group is not a kind or honoring thing to do. Um, but at the same time, Maybe you just ask them, like, hey, how would you like us to handle this? You know, you're our friend. We love him and her. How would you, would you like us to still invite you? Do you need some space? Like, that's an honoring thing to do is just ask them, like, what do you think? Would you like to still be around? I think sometimes you can try and force, of like, hey, let's get together. We're all still friends. Let's just, you know, that may not be the best thing. So I would just ask the person, like, hey, how would you like us to move forward? And then the rest of the friend group, just choose not to be awkward. Like, you can not be awkward. <laughs> like, just because you think it's gonna be awkward doesn't mean you need to make it awkward. So, I don't, anyway, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that, but. All right, next question. Okay, so the next one is, I want to get married, but it's not happening for me right now. What do I do? Carly, I'm gonna toss it to you. I, I like, hear myself. Like, I feel like I could have asked that question um, just in high school and college, out of college before meeting Cole, like, 
man, I wanted to get married so badly. And I've just been like recently going through my old journals. I don't know if you've ever done this. Guys, I don't know if you journal, but like, if you're like me, I really like to get my thoughts out that way. And so I went and was looking through it and man, I think that, I think that marriage was an idol in my life. Like finding my husband was just like all I was thinking about all throughout. And so that's just kind of a veer off a little bit of the question. But I think um, just from personal reflection is like you think about the persistent widow in Matthew 18 and how the persistent widow to the unjust judge and she just kept going and asking and this is what's wrong. This isn't right. This isn't right. And he ends up bending for her. And it's like Jesus's point in that parable is like, if someone like this unjust judge is going to hear this person out, like how much more would a God that created you, that loves you. So if you want to get married, keep knocking, keep asking, keep on talking to the Lord about it because he has things to say to you in the season where you're not married. Like he wants to, he wants you in that season right now so that he can talk to you and so that he can take you on this journey with him and turn you into this person that he wants you to be. Like it's all purposed and it's, oh goodness, nothing is wasted. So what I would say is just like lean in and ask him, cry to him, talk to him. He talks back like he he does. And so that would be my word of advice. Absolutely. And I know part of my story is that I was a raging legalist for a really long time. And so I thought, I don't think I ever would have verbalized it this way, but I thought that if I was a good girl and if I did all the things right, right, then God would give me a perfect husband. And (laughs) I mean, I kind of feel like I lucked out because, (laughs) but but Andy's not perfect and marriage is not like, it's not a end goal of your life. Like, You wake up the next morning married and there's a new set of problems and a new thing that you want next to happen. And so if you get into a habit of thinking, if I just do X, Y, Z, then God has to do one, two, three. Like that is not gonna serve you after you're married. And then it's gonna open you up to the fact when you discover that that perfect person you think God owed you falls short and hurts your feelings, then that opens you up to thinking, what did I do wrong? Did I choose wrong? And, and it opens up this whole other ball of wax. And so you have to know that in that season of waiting, a purposeful waiting, that you're not trying to earn anything from God. You either receive a spouse as a gift from him or, or you, like, you just go without one. But to think that you would earn someone else, I mean, it's... It, It's just not the way that it works and it will twist you up. So I would say, I mean, just from the side of being married for almost 20 years and having five kids and getting married young, I will tell you that I know that many of you are looking at people who have what you want, who are dating someone, who are married, who are starting families. And you thought when you looked out into your future that by the time you are X age, you would have that. And you're frustrated. That is so normal. It is so normal, all right? But I look back at my 20s and I, it was really hard to have babies in my 20s. I didn't have a lot of freedom. Now, I'm very grateful, but it's a whole, it's a different set of problems, right? And I look at, I get to have coffee with young adult women all the time. I love it. Um, And I just think sometimes to myself, like, if I had your life when I was 26, 27, 28, man, I would travel, I would read more books, I would do this, like I would be the most interesting person alive. Like I'm just trying to say, not that I'm ungrateful for my life, but that you have a gift on your hands and it may not feel like it, but it is. You have so much freedom. I know you have obligations in work or school or whatever, but there's not a baby who's waking you up at 4 a.m. 
there's not. Most of you don't have to pick up a kid in the middle of the day or whatever it is yet. And, and so I'm not, again, I'm not saying that to be like, be grateful for where you are, but be grateful for where you are. There's gifts here. There's gifts in it. There are. And being married does not mean you will never be lonely. It doesn't. It's not a destination and it can become an idol, like, um, like Carly said. And so anyway, use this time to grow deep with your relationship with Jesus. Like he is so much better than you imagine. He is so much better. He, uh, anyway, so. No, hey, really quick. Starting to wander just, a little just, there. Just one, one thought that I think that I heard both of you say that I think is really important is when you look all, th- all through scripture, one of the, the things that you see constantly is that God works in the waiting. Like he does not waste the waiting. We are really good at wasting the waiting. Like we, just, we distract, we get busy, we complain, just waiting for the, the greener grass. But one of the themes you see is, is waiting is God preparing. Um, and so this is a season where we can look to God as Carly said, just go back to him, go back to him and say, God, how do you wanna prepare me? What, what is this, what do you wanna do in the waiting? Like that, and that is a really important spiritual uh, muscle to grow, is, is being patient in the waiting. Um, like we're in Christmas season right now, and so I always think about birthdays or Christmas, when it's your turn, you're waiting, and you're like, oh, I can't wait for that day, right? But the waiting actually makes the, it better. <laughs> Um, no one wants to get their Christmas present at the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday, right? Like, no, I'll, let's wait. And so I just, I think the waiting is, is a theme of scripture that we need to, as Carly, you said, we need to lean into that and not waste the waiting, so. Well, and something too I think is really important that we hit on earlier is that whenever you look at scripture, the waiting in the Bible, whenever God put someone in a season of waiting, it was always longer than they wanted it to be. Like it was never like, okay, like God, I'm comfortable with this amount of waiting and now I'm good. Like it was always longer than they thought it should be. So just kind of that reminder of even though the Lord's plan does not look how I want it to look, that doesn't mean it's bad or that I'm off course. It's a way that God teaches us to trust him is, is in waiting. And there's a passage where Jesus is teaching about prayer in Luke 11. And it's probably familiar to you, the Matthew version where it talks about, you know, who... You know, if you ask for uh, what father would, if you ask them for a fish would give you a snake, if you ask them for bread would give you a stone, and it says how, you know, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the father, but in Luke it says how much more does the father give the Holy Spirit to the ones who ask? And so more and more, the older I get, I realize that the answer to every prayer is God himself. The answer to every prayer is God himself. And so the more that we seek to know that what we really want isn't even found in a person, it's found in the Lord. It really is true. Anyway, I should stop talking now. No, that's great. Um, Any other thoughts on that question before we go? I have one. What you got? I think, excuse me, I think it's, it's important to be aware of our location, like in Oklahoma City, in the Bible Belt, because um, there are like major cities all over the U.S. where it's like not normal to be married in your 20s. And so I think for us, like in Oklahoma City, Edmond area, whatever, like to alleviate this pressure and to be sure we're not comparing ourselves to everyone else in our, our general proximity. So I know it's not like a super spiritual thought, but it's something I think about a lot because we put all this unnecessary pressure on ourselves, I think. Just a resetting of expectations. That's good. Okay, our next question is, my brother Paul is single and he's super awesome. Here's his number. It's on the screen. Maybe. Okay, but here's the thing. If you're Paul and you're single and your number is 405-906, you know the rest of your Paul, you know. Come down to the front. People will have to meet you afterwards. Fun question, we got submitted. Gotta love his sisters just trying to help her brother out. Lobbying on behalf of their sibling. I respect it. I I love to see it. I was really looking forward to the slide. I know. (laughs) Stay tuned. If you're Paul, you might get some good calls later. Okay, next question is, 
Should a guy always make the first move because he is the one to lead the relationship? David? I keep getting these hard ones. Um, okay, I, I would say, just speaking in generalities, generally, I think most guys like to be the asker. And I think generally, most girls like to be asked, all right? Again, that's not in the Bible. Like, there's no like biblical, like the guys should ask the girl out. You know, they had very different customs back then. If you wanna be biblical in your dating, then ask your dad to call their dad and arrange a dowry, okay? Um, <laughs> here's what I would wanna say in response to this question, is that if you have an expectation that only one person in a couple should do all of the pursuing, that's not gonna set you up for a healthy marriage. Once you're married, like Andy, Andy deserves, if I love him, then I should pursue him and try to honor him, right? And vice versa. And so I think sometimes we can be trying so hard to do things right that we can twist ourselves into boxes that God isn't even asking us to fit ourselves or our relationships into. Um, ladies, if you, I think there are really honoring ways to let a guy know you're interested without asking him out directly if you don't wanna do that, right? Um, you can just talk about things you might wanna do with him if you're having a conversation about you know, oh, there, did you hear about this concert that's coming out? Oh, well, we, that would be fun to go together, wouldn't it? Or <laughs> just lay it out there. Or when you're talking, you can just touch his arm, right? Hey, speaking of that. Scandalous, whoa. So. That is some non-sexual physical touch. Yes, it is. Good tie-in. Full circle. I, I will say this. Uh, in the conversation that I had with our guys and gals, this, this topic of, of how, do we, how do we flirt came up. And, you know, it, along with the who should ask out who. And there was, and in both groups, there were some guys who were like, no, I'm asking out. And there was some guys who were like, actually, it might be kind of nice. That would, I wouldn't mind that. And then in the girls' focus group, the girls were like, no, the guy should ask out. He should lead the relationship. And then there were other girls in the room that were like, you know what? I have no problem asking somebody out. And so... But then it wrapped around to flirting and that kind of thing. And it was universal in the guy's space that a touch on the arm would get their attention. Like, as men, we're just typically, Cole, you can disagree with me on this, but we're typically not good at picking up signals. But if a, if a young lady were to walk up and like touch your arm, like, hey, how are you doing? We'd be like, excuse me, what, what's happening right now? So just, just, just a little, like that was a universal thumbs up from the guys that if they did that, I would know that they were interested in me. So Be very just, careful with the arm touches, ladies. Very careful. Just, just a tip, there you go. Sorry, sorry Taylor, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, that's but. good. I don't know, if, is there anything else I needed to? So the only, one of the other things we talked about kind of when we were going through this this afternoon was, and Taylor and Carl, you guys might can address this one, but a lot of the narrative in Christian culture, like what you'll hear if you listen to podcasts, read books, is ladies will be pursuing the beginning, you're preparing him to, for, like, for you to be the pursuer for the rest of your life, and it's gonna be, you're training someone for passivity. That's one of the narratives on the other side. And I think that's kind of a little bit of where this question is coming from. So what yeah. would you say to that? You kind of hit on it earlier, but. I mean, I think that there is, a lot of this is individual because it, it has to do with personality. I have seen many marriages where they would say that they are very hard, complementary, and very submissive women. And they found ways to make that man do exactly what they wanted him, her, you know, him to. Um, and to me, that's, I mean, the biblical example is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so I've also seen women um, and have done a little of this myself of thinking he has to be the leader spiritually. And so then I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't speak up when I knew things. Or I would not, I would, I would smash that part of myself. And you guys know, if you're in Sunday school, I know a lot about the Bible. And I don't, and I, and I acted stupid. And it, it didn't serve either one of us for me to do that. 
And so some women are gonna be a little bit more of a natural leader. Some guys are gonna be a little bit more naturally laid back. I don't think that necessarily means that she's training him to be passive. I think it's not a dog. But if you don't wanna marry someone who's passive, then don't, if you date them for a while and they're passive, then break up with them. Like, is that wrong? No, I think you're right. Well, I think, I think you could also, as you get to know somebody, you know, just, even just as friends and as acquaintances, you know, if, if you recognize, hey, they're kind of, they tick this way and are wired this way, then that might change how you approach them. And again, I, I don't think it's like, hey, I'm just gonna insult you by, by taking the reins and asking you out. As some of the guys said, it, it'd actually be kind of nice if someone asked me out. Um, because for the ladies in the room, that have never asked anyone out, it is a terrifying and horrible thought like, that guys work, live with. Of like, I'm, I'm going to put myself in a position of massive vulnerability to have my ego and my pride just chopped. Um, and so that's a very scary thing. Um, and so just, at, ladies, if you say, hey, I'm, I'm just gonna go for it, good for you. Just know that there's a, there's a chance of rejection. And that's part of, of, of that. And I think that also comes into is just the personality of like, hey, if, if he's really quiet and really shy, then, then maybe you do need to initiate a little bit more, not because he's some, you know, less of a man because of that, but maybe that's just how he's wired. And so it could be an honoring thing to say, hey, I wouldn't mind spending some time with you. You wanna grab coffee sometime? Because for a really shy, quiet guy, that might be a huge freedom of like, oh, Thank you. Yes, I would actually love that. Let's go, let's go have coffee. You know, no, that's good. I, one uh, one gal in, in our in our focus group. She gave her great ideas. Like, hey, if you're kind of on the fence, ladies, say, hey, it would be really fun sometime to do this activity, and then leave it like that. And now he that's an open door for him to be like, hey, yeah, you don't why don't we go do that? So there, there's like Taylor said, there's ways to to kind of navigate that issue, but I wouldn't make it the issue. No, that's good. Okay. Next question. We're in a relationship and we see a future together, but we are currently having sex. Now what do we do? Does God not like this relationship anymore and do we need to break up? Carly? Tossing it to you. Yeah. Um, well, I think one th the thing that comes to mind first is just if you find yourself in a relationship where you have done something like if you have had sex and you both are like oh my gosh like why did we if you're guilty you're feeling like the conviction from the holy spirit like we are as believers that's like repentance living lives of repentance that's like what we're doing i feel like we don't talk about that much that that's like actively something that we do on the daily, every minute, like it could be every minute, like I don't know, but like it's like, that's constant. Like the Holy Spirit, we have him dwelling in us as people, as believers, and so he's, he's gonna make us feel a type of way when we go do something that goes against like the character and nature of God who he's trying to set us apart to be, um, if we're not looking like him, he wants us to look like him. And so, absolutely there's a way to redeem that relationship. Like, there is still a way to honor each other. There is still a way to honor the Lord. Like, he, read scripture, he's constantly saying, repent, repent, like to the Israelites over and over. He's God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances, and we're gonna mess up, he knows that about us. So. Um, like change your mind, repent, turn, and go another way, and then set those boundaries in your relationship if this is still a relationship worth pursuing. If one of you feels guilty and the other one doesn't, I, that's a big red flag. Like I think that means, okay, the one that feels guilty, the conviction, the weight, needs to be the one that says, okay, well, we obviously are running different races, and like I think I need to cut ties, and that is completely okay too. I think there's a, one of the things shame will do is it will tell you that since you've already done it, you might as well keep doing it. And that's just a lie. It's just a lie. 
Just because you've, you've started one way doesn't mean that you have to continue that way. Um, and that goes back to Carly. There's just this, an opportunity to get up and, and go a different direction. Here's the cool thing about repentance. Like when you think about it from a, a guilt and shame perspective, it sounds really unattractive. Um, but when you think about what is repentance, it's turning away from this and to God. And so repentance is just another opportunity to turn back to the God who made you and loves you and knows you and cares for you. And so I don't know if we could ever get tired of that. Um, I think that our, our resistance to saying, hey, this is what we're doing, um, but we just gotta keep going because we've already messed up, you know, that kind of thing. Because the Bible's very clear on this issue. Like Hebrews 13, four um, says that the, the marriage bed is to be, uh, to be honored above all and, and that the marriage bed should be undefiled. And, and Paul talks about this all the time, almost in every book that he, or letter that he wrote about sexual immorality and that this is a gift from God that is, that is um, designed to be between two uh, people in, in marriage. Um, and so I think that's, that, that, I don't wanna make the assumption that we all know that, but that, that, that is a very clear standard. But repentance is a wonderful gift. Um, it's not a, hey, shame on you, now you gotta repent. It's, oh, I get to repent, I get to turn back to God again. And when you think about how repentance is, is described throughout scripture, I always think about the prodigal son. Well, how was the prodigal son received when he repented? When he turned from this lifestyle that was destroying him, he turned back, he's like, who is my dad? Oh man, even the servants eat better than what I'm doing. And so he, go, he repents with shame and guilt. And he goes back to the father with, and he's practicing his I'm sorry speech. And then the father's watching for him. He's looking for the repentance. And when he sees it, the father disgraces himself and says, I'm going to chase after my child. And I'm going to embrace and welcome them back in. There is no shame. There is no guilt. It's just redemption. And so I think when it comes to sexual sin, whether it's by ourselves or whether it's with someone else or whether it's through a device and a screen, repentance is something that we should celebrate and look forward to, not something that we're like, oh, I need to repent again. You know, no, like we're turning back to God again. Like what a, what a wonderful problem to have to turn back to God a thousand times. Like that is a wonderful thing um, to understand who God is, how he views you, and he welcomes you back. He looks, you know, Jesus, when the, the, the woman who was caught in adultery, right? Uh, well, we won't talk about the guy that was not mentioned. Like he, but, but what was Christ's heart towards her? Who's, who's here to condemn you? Then I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. It was, hey, there's no condemnation here, but go and, and repent. Turn from your sin. And so what, the way I think about this, and I'll keep this, sorry, I'll, I'll wrap this up, is it, it is never too late to, to walk in obedience. It is never too late to walk in obedience. And I would just say, God's ways really are the best ways, right? He's not a cosmic meanie trying to keep you from having fun. Like he wants to protect you. He wants you to be treated with honor. Um, he wants you just um, to have complete wholeness and healing and freedom and and I, think of no, I can think of no greater gift than if you are in a relationship um, and you've had a, a, you've had a sexual relationship and you decide to try and, and stay together and, and repent from that action to honor one another by choosing to say no to each other. Like, to be able to, to have that kind of um, selflessness, that's really important for marriage. So, anyway. And self-denial. It, you know, that, that, those go hand in hand. And I think we were talking earlier, like the, I, I talk to a lot of guys about sexual sin and their past and what they're currently doing. And one of the things that, that I try and frame it up as is, is this self-control issue is a fruit of the spirit. Um, and, and that what a gift you are giving one another. That if you were to get married someday, by being able to say no to one another and say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna wait and we're gonna, we're gonna start walking in obedience. What a wonderful gift that you're giving your future spouse to say, hey, I can say no to you so that you know down the road I can say no to somebody else too. 
right? What, what's, what's the flip side of that is, is I can't say no to you plants a seed of insecurity in your spouse. That, well, if you can't say no to me now, even though we've talked about it, we've prayed about it, and we've done all these things, and you still can't say no, then when you go out of town on that business trip, now I'm, I'm terrified, because I know you can't say no, right? And so, actually, that, that self-control and that, that walking in obedience is actually this awesome gift that you're giving someone to say, hey, listen, if I can say no to you, then you have confidence that I can also say no to whoever may come come by later. So, no, that's really good. And one of the things too that Cole hit on um, when we were talking about this was that this is hard. Like it's supposed to be hard. Like you were supposed to be attracted to the person that you were dating. Like this is not easy. Now this is if this is really easy for you, then you're probably not attracted to the person that you're dating, which is a bigger fish to fry. And so just know like when we were having this conversation, like our hearts were for you guys and we were being very sympathetic towards this because it's a hard one. Okay, the next question is, I am nervous to be physically intimate with my future spouse. How do I deal with this properly? Back to you, Taylor. Okay. Taylor, you're getting all the great questions. I know. This is fantastic. I would just say, um, first of all, that's very normal. It's very normal for more than one reason. One of the reasons you could be nervous about that is if you have a complete lack of experience and you have no idea what you're doing and you've heard stories, you're worried about pain, all of those things are normal. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Another reason why you could be afraid is because of sexual um, abuse or trauma. Um, And if that is the case, and it is very common, then that, that is super understandable that that would be a fear of yours. And so what I would say is that um, you need to pursue healing. Um, therapy can be really helpful, I think necessary. And then if you're in a serious relationship that looks like it's heading towards marriage, then you need to be very clear in your communication about your fears, about your experiences, and because this is more common for women to be sexually assaulted or have this kind of abuse in their lives, guys, you need to be very aware that the woman you're dating or that you may marry may have this in her past and that she feels a lot of shame about it and may have some real fears and hangups and you need to be patient and you need to behave yourself in a way that shows her that you love her and that her safety is more important to you than her body, okay? Because we are not given that information growing up as women a lot of times. We are seen um, because of the way porn has infiltrated our, our um, just the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in. Um, sex, all sex has been so pornified. Um, that there are these outsized expectations on women that we have to be like really proper and holy in all of this and as a Christian woman and then all of a sudden you get married and you become the sex pot. Like, how do you deal with that? It's really difficult. And so especially if there is sexual trauma in your past, you need to pursue healing. You need to be clear in your communication. You need to be patient with yourself, guys, or the, the partner needs to be patient with you. Um, and, and two, I think that pornified culture has really centered guys' pleasure much more over women's safety, but also over their pleasure. And so you need to kind of, if, if porn is part of your life and you're looking into marriage, then you need to realize that you have sexual trauma because that is a very unhealthy view of sex that you have, um, put into your mind and into your body and into your expectations. And so you have your own healing to do. Okay, that's kind of a separate issue maybe. Um. Well, but I think that's a really good point, Taylor, is that, that what we don't think is happening um, in, our, in, in our hearts and our minds when, in this over-sexualized world that we live in, whether it's movies, porn, music, all, all the stuff, is that that is training us. We're going to school, per se, and it is training our brain. Like, like all the science is showing that like porn actually changes how our brains are wired. And so it, it really, I think that's a great way to put it is, is porn creates sexual trauma um, and you, we don't even know it. And so that's a, a huge piece of it, especially when we're dating, when we're thinking about dating is like, okay, I gotta deal with this stuff 
Um, I, need to, I need to drop out of that school and, and I need to start attending a new class and, 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 re, and rewiring my heart and my mind and my expectation according to what God would have that is a good and precious gift, um, not something to be used as entertainment. So anyway, you were gonna say something else, sorry. I think that was about it. I mean, if you're on the side of things where you're coming into marriage um, and you're a virgin or you're very inexperienced, then you just have to have conversations too and be really clear and upfront and be willing to have that conversation with your fiance that's very frank. And then again, I think your, your expectations and your communication need to be clear and just to be incredibly patient that you, nobody gives you an award for having like sexual intercourse on your, on your wedding night. Like nobody comes and is like, great job, you did it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I know a lot of couples who didn't have, you know, P and V on their wedding night and that's great, good for them. Like it is not about that. Sex is not about, it's not a conquest, it's not a moment. It is something that is designed as a gift for to serve one another and love one another um, that is in the context of a safe relationship. And that just takes time. And so it's okay to be afraid, um, but that fear should let you know, okay, I, I need to do something about this fear. I either need some healing, I need some communication, I need some patience, I need to let myself off some hooks. Anyway. I, I agree. I think communication and you, you were touching on this, is super important. Whoever initiates it, like we can normalize the desire to have sex with each other. Like we can talk about it yeah. without towing the line and getting ourselves into a situation that is tricky. So I think if you avoid that topic and then you're surprised on your wedding night, like maybe there was something there missing in your communication or whatever during your engagement leading up to that moment. So communication I think is super important, especially. And then once you're married, Communication about sex is still important until the day one of you dies. It's just part of it. That's good. Okay, next one is, is it okay to be on dating apps? I'm struggling with wanting to find someone, but I'm also being patient and relying on God's timing. Cole, I'm tossing this one to you. Um, I was never personally on any apps. Um, I don't know if they were out yet when we found each other. I don't know. But... Um, we know a lot of people who found their person um, through an app. And so I think um, that's another thing we don't have to feel any shame about. Um, it doesn't mean if you're on an app that you're going around the will of God. Like I think, and this might be the, oh, the weirdest thing I've ever said, but like uh, God works through technology. Like he brings people together through technology. And so if we use an app or whatever, like that's not us going around anything or being impatient, like maybe that's the tool that is used. Um, I think one thing through our conversations and one of you can piggyback off this is just um, be sure that, um, like be aware of your intentions. Like when you're on that app, be sure that you don't become so like, you know, when we're scrolling Instagram or whatever, we become so desensitized and the stupid TikTok thing comes up, says you've been scrolling for however long. <laughs> like we can do that and become desensitized, probably swiping left, you know, or whatever the direction is. Uh, What's the one where you reject? Swipe left? I have no it idea. I'm too old for that. Swipe, swipe left? I'm trying to speak the lingo. Um, <laughs> anyway, just like be self-aware of your intentions when it comes to the app and, um, and that it doesn't become, um, uh, what's the word? Andy, you spoke to this, but. Um, well, I think, I think the, what, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the danger side of, of this is that people can become a commodity. Yeah. That, that we're just looking at, care, like, and I talked about this, so go back and listen to the message, that we start looking at characteristics because we don't know the character. And that's the danger of, of, of apps, is it, 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 you are dating void of community. No one knows this person, or maybe they do, I don't know. You know but, and so I would just say, you need to take some safeguards, check your heart of like, is, is it turning into a meat market? Of like, all right, this, that looks good, all right, you know, whatever. I don't know what way you swipe, but... Um, <laughs> But I think that's a really good, good thing because the danger is you can really easily slip into viewing people as a commodity in verse, rather than a brother, sister in Christ. And you also need to realize that people can lie on those descriptions of themselves. Say, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that mean? You know, did, 
did they grow up in Oklahoma? You know, like people believe that. So I just think there, there, there's some built-in problems, but at the same time, just like you, I know I've married people that have met on apps and, and God is able to use that. I think that it just ups the, the, the necessity to widen the circle of who's involved in that, of your friend group, your small group, of saying, hey, just I wanna get more eyes on this person, I wanna get more um, wise counsel, so. Yeah. yeah, and I know a lot, I've had multiple conversations with young adults who've told me, I'll, I'll get on the apps for a while and then I need to take a break. I, I didn't like what it was doing to my heart, you know, and, and I think that that's wisdom too. You just have to, you have to pay attention to what's going on in here and in here um, and maintain your relationship with the Lord and so that you can be just discerning in what any kind of dating is doing to you. But when you're, like I said, that there's a formation to that. I think all, everything we do has power for spiritual formation. And if we're swiping on people like we're, you know, hunting for a pair of jeans on, you know, a website or something, like, no, those are, I don't want flair. I want high rise. I want that. You know what I mean? Like, it just becomes commodifying of people rather than honoring. So, Well, one of the things that one of you guys mentioned while we were talking was just the idea of too many options you compared it to a restaurant menu, if you remember that analogy. Yeah, whenever you go to the Cheesecake Factory, you know, they have like 900 things on their menu. And even if you get something that is great, right, you're always thinking, I should have gotten the burrito, right? Like, uh, this is That's fine. why I like In-N-Out. There's only like three things on the menu. It's like, that's, that's what I'm gonna have and I'm gonna love it. It's great. But, but in, in, in reality, though, I think this is what makes it hard for you guys dating in this, in this environment is social media dating apps it's like you're at a restaurant, but you constantly see what everybody else is ordering. And you're like, ooh, that looks good. And, that looks, and then all of a sudden what you have, you're like, meh, I wish I would have had that. You know, so that, that, that is the complication that your generation is dealing with is that comparison problem. And so I, I mean, this maybe is really dumb. I'm just the old guy in the room, but like what, what would it look like to experiment is like if, if you find yourself in a relationship is to just get off all social media during that relationship. You, you relieve the, the pressure of posting what you say about the person and you stop seeing all the other menu items that are gonna make you dissatisfied with the person that God has placed next to you. It just makes, it just, that, that, that's one of those things I'm like, what would it look like to date without the rest of the menu being forced in front of your face all the time? That's good, that's really practical. Okay, one of the last questions is, at what point should we break up and how do we do it in an honorable way? Andy. Okay. <laughs> Number one, this is a Q&A session, and I'm not speaking to anyone individually in the room, okay? <laughs> That's always my fear, is that, oh, well, Andy said this, so tonight after the gathering, guess what? You know, <laughs> so repeat the question. Feel is it when, from here. when should we break up? It is at what point should we break up and how do I do it in an honoring way? Okay, I, th I think a couple general things. I mean, if, if you go back to the last couple talks, if you haven't, go back and listen. I think I gave some good things in, in those of like, hey, if you're not running the same race at the same pace, that kind of thing. If they, if they are, as we talked about, if they're pushing your uh, physical sexual boundaries that you've tried to set, red flag, get out. Um, I think those, like, it, I think another thing is if you know some wise people that really love you and love Jesus more than they love you and they've brought some concerns to you, you need to take that seriously. Because when we put on the, the romance glasses, we start to make compromises because we, we really want this to work. Um, and so I think that if, if wise counsel um, has, has mentioned something, I think if you're not moving towards marriage, that's a problem. Because that's the purpose of dating is to give your life to someone, to share your life with someone. And if, if you're just kind of just in this, this holding pattern uh, for a long time and we're just using each other for, for social plans and to have somebody to be with, like, break, like, no, you're not honoring, you're using. Um, I think going back, to if, if, this, if you're not on the same page with sexual purity, I think that, that's a reason to break up. If that's a constant struggle that of, of boundary pushing or you find yourself, you know, like, oh, we, we did it again. Like, break up. Like, I, I take it out of the sexual conversation. Like, I would never um, tell someone who has an alcohol problem to like, hey, just keep going to the bar, just don't drink. 
I'd be like, no, you need, you need to not go to the bar. And so for some, some people, they, you probably just need to break up and, and not have that assumption a part of your relationship um, anymore. I think, as Taylor said, if you're, if, as you're dating, you realize, hey, I've got some, some stuff that I need to heal from. Um, I got some baggage that I've never dealt with. Then that's probably a, a really good reason to break up. Here's why. Not because if you have baggage, you can't date. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can unpack your baggage as a single person much quicker than you can when you're trying to unpack it with someone else because they have no idea what you've been through. And so I would just say practically, you can make a lot more um, progress healing and unpacking that baggage as a single person unattached than you can. So I've, I've said this in years past is there are no single people problems or marriage problems. There's only single people problems that you bring into marriage. And now all of a sudden you got two single people problems that you're dealing with. And so if there's things that need to be healed, dealt with, um, that may be a good reason to, to, to break up. And then lastly, I would say, if they're not pushing you towards Christ, if they're not encouraging you in your faith, if you're having to drag them along, um, or if they're like, hey, you know, this, I don't, I don't, that's not really a value to me, break up. That's what, that's that unequally yoked idea, is like, all right, like they should be encouraging you, pushing you, cheering you on as you pursue Jesus more than they're cheering you on pursuing them. Because the, the sneaky part of that is that they wanna be your savior. They wanna be the, the, the all in all for you versus like pointing you to your savior, pointing you to the king of kings instead of saying, no, I'm your king, I'm your queen. Like, no, 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 no. Um, so that's just a couple of, and then how do you do it honorably? Man, um, I think it goes back to what Cole was saying in Philippians 2, like consider them more important than yourself. And so as you break up with them, try to lift them up as much as you can. Say, hey, this is what I see in you. This is why I, I was first attracted to you. Um, but I just don't see this going forward. And so I know that's gonna hurt. And, and that's part of dating is hurting. And, and like, we, unless you meet the person and then marry them one time, the ratio of heartbreak to love is gonna be way in favor of heartbreak. You're gonna break up and be hurt more than you're gonna find that person to marry because you only wanna marry that one person, right? And so um, just know that it's hard to break up with someone. And so instead of just thinking about yourself, if you're the one doing the breaking up, think about how can I say this in a way that honors and cares for them as best you can. And then part of that is, after the breakup, you can honor them by not trying to be the one that takes care of the heartbreak, right? Because that just, that, that just leads them on of like, wait, I thought we were, you know, so I just think, and, and if you need help with that, that's again where you can talk to your, your, the people around you that maybe have more experience in this. You can always come talk to us. We'd love to help, you know, in, in situations. Because I know every situation is different. So, but I think going into it without the mindset of like, how can I protect myself the most versus how can I protect them the most? Um, it's probably a good way to honor. Were you gonna say something? Yeah, I just think to, to honor, but also be honest, you know, clarity is kind, like you always say. But um, I think too, like, if you're getting over a breakup, you have to let, you, there's just gonna be grief. There just is. Like, there's just gonna be grief and you need to feel it. That's good. Okay, so now we're gonna go into our rapid fire questions. So I'm basically what I'm gonna ask you is we're just gonna go down the road. We're gonna have one for each of you guys. So quick rapid fire answers. Um, first one is for Taylor. Any tips on how to have those hard conversations with friends that you see red flags in their relationships? Well, I feel like Andy kind of touched on this a little bit, but I think anytime you have a conversation with someone about something so personal, you need to make sure you have the kind of relationship where that would be welcome or expected. If you've never had a conversation with this person about it, something personal or about their relationship at all, it, you may not be the one to have this conversation. Um, but if you're going to, I think, I think um, you just have to be, you have to be honest and honoring and all of those things and just to let them know, hey, I'd like to, I, I've noticed something and I've noticed something and, and I just, because I love you and I care about you, I wanted to ask you about it. And just tell them, this is what I see, and it just concerns me a little bit because I care about you so much. Um, and then listen to them when they respond. 
Um, and then you can just say, okay, well, this is why it worries me. And I, you can't change the person. And um, all you can do is be honest and honoring, I think. Is it, was that clear? Yeah, that's great. Okay. And then I would add rapid, one thing. Sorry. As you receive that feedback, if someone comes to you about your relationship, fight everything to be def about being defensive. Mm -hmm. That they're not insulting you. They're not insulting the person. They're just, that they're trying to care and love you. And so try, again, benefit of the doubt. Say, all right, this is gonna be hard to hear, but I'm not gonna be defensive. So I just say receiving side too. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Okay, Andy, how do you say no to someone kindly because they don't share your faith without just saying no because you're not a Christian? Or kind of the other part of this question was, how do you say someone like, okay, like they say they're a Christian, but they're not, like how do you? Okay, so I think this is really simple. You look at them and you say <laughs> something like, hey, I've really, I really like you, but the most important thing to me is not the most important thing to you. And so because of that, I think our lives are gonna go in two different directions, so I think we need to break up. Boom, there you go. All right, Carly, what if a close friend asks me out but I'm not interested in them? How do I walk forward in the friendship? Walk forward in the friendship? Ooh. That's what the question says. Um, well, maybe you don't, um, honestly. I think that sometimes we can't be friends with people that we're attracted to if we're not gonna date them. So that's my answer. There you go. Okay, Cole. Is there the one and how to decide who to date? Yes. Well, there are multiple the ones. That's confusing. I would say... <laughs> try again, try again. I, my personality lends itself to being the... I used to stress about this. Uh, who's, my, who's the one? What is my calling in life? What, how do I know if I'm outside of the, the will of God? And what I'd say is like, don't stress about that. Don't overthink it. Um, anybody you could date, if they're a safe person, they honor you, could be the one. Um, so... Uh, remove that pressure from you. But I also want to emphasize, like, that doesn't mean settle. And so there is, and I hate, I hated when people were like, oh, you'll know when you know. That's, that's not helpful. That's not helpful advice. But there is a gut feeling of like, okay. And I think as long as you know um, your points of tension, like there's a big difference in understanding the points of tension that you have in dating that you'll probably carry in the marriage than trying to solve all these problems. Like, if you have to fix all these things to decide to get married and they're the one, like, they're probably not the one. Um, so just understand that difference is something I would say. I think, I think also a good way to look at it is that when, if you believe that, man, God's just got one person for you, what you're doing is you're, you're putting God in a box and you're saying he's not creative enough. Like, that, he, that he's just got, you know, like, like, it's just not true. Like, he's, God is creative. And he's created a lot of awesome people. Um, and so I think that that is a, a, a burden that we place on ourselves because of cultures, really probably movies, uh, mostly. They, they, they paint it in a picture of like, hey, there's gonna be a light from heaven when they walk in the door. You're like, oh, there's the one. Versus like, no, God's bigger than that. And um, he is good. And he knows the desires of our heart. And so he's not going... Um, to say, well, sorry, you were born in the wrong city, so, you know, so. Yeah. You missed it, sorry. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for joining our panel and just for talking and sharing your thoughts. I know we really appreciate it. Um, you guys, we got a lot of other questions that we're not gonna get to answer tonight, so be sure to look for our podcast in the New Yorkers. We're gonna hit on a couple of these more because as we're talking about, they're just really nuanced. So we're really glad that you've joined us for our dating series. And just this time tonight, it's been really special. Andy, any closing thoughts? Yeah, so just really quick, we, we are all gonna be, we'll, we'll be down here in front. So if, if you have a question that you would like to ask us, we know we didn't get to every single one. We had a lot more questions. Like Paige said, we're probably gonna do a podcast and talk about the questions we didn't answer. We'll also talk more about the focus groups and what they said. Uh, we're gonna probably interview some couples. Um, that I think you'll find really interesting. So just be watching for that. A couple things, uh, let me get my notes out here real quick. Um, this is our last gathering for a while. 
I know, we're all sad. Um, but we will be back on January 16th. That is, that is when we're gonna launch for our 2024 season. And so just be thinking about um, maybe who you might invite because I think that, that this is a, a place that, that God um, does some awesome things. And so um, I know you have friends and, and coworkers that would, would be able to be a part of it. If you're looking like, hey man, that's a long time away, we always have Sunday school um, every Sunday. We'll only take two weeks off at Christmas, but 9.30 um, every Sunday on the second floor here in room, I don't even know what room it is, we moved. 2.30 something, um, you'll see it. There's a sign, there's a bunch of young adults. I promise. Man, come join us. We'd love to, we'd love to have you. Um, it's, a, it's a good way to get connected. Um, and this is also a great, I talk, talked to Sunday School this last week, is like, this is a great season um, to start thinking about how, how, does, how has God wired you to join him in kingdom work? Um, and so if you're thinking, hey, I would love to serve at the gathering or I would like to serve somewhere at Crossings, man, Come talk to us. We would love to get you connected that way because God's wired you and gifted you in specific ways to, to be used uh, to join him in his kingdom work. And so uh, we want to offer that. Uh, lastly, our second to last thing is we got late night outside. We've got uh, a little, if you saw the big snow globe for pictures, we've got cookies, we've got hot chocolate. And so at, when we're done here, head on out there, enjoy, meet somebody. Um, as, as the guys said, you know, and girls both said, hey, maybe get outside your friend circle for a minute, walk around. One guy in our, our focus group said, hey, they should like leave their friend group and like go to the bathroom. <laughs> so walk slowly, right? Anyway, we, we got a lot of, a lot of tips. After the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so lastly, um, just want to give you guys a quick update on Paige over here. Um, she's been on our team for two and a half years. She's been a young adult serving in our ministry for way longer than that. Um, but she's been working for Crossings on our young adult team for two and a half years. And, you know, Paige has played a lot of roles, wore a lot of hats, um, stepped into situations that we needed her to step into, and she's done that. She's done a great job. And the reason I say that is because at the end of December, she's stepping off our team to pursue some different opportunities. And so I just wanted to thank you publicly, Paige, for your faithfulness and for the way that you have served God's church, God's people, um, the way you've cared for people. Uh, I know you've had a lot of coffees, all the caffeine intake. Um, but just want to thank you for the way that you have faithfully served the, the, this group of young adults. Um, so I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you as we close the night. Let's pray. Uh, God, we just want to thank you uh, just for, for relationships, for people. God, would you help us um, navigate these, these murky waters of dating and relationships? God, would you... Um, would you grow our affections for you above all things? And that from that relationship, Lord, everything else would, 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 would uh, be produced in us. Um, God, I pray that you would go before us, uh, that you'd be with us, and you'd follow behind us as we navigate relationships and dating. Help us to honor one another above ourselves. Help us to apologize when we need to. Help us to seek reconciliation where it's necessary. And God, would you help us unpack the things that need to be unpacked? Um, and Lord, I just want to pray for my sister Paige, Lord. Thank you for her, the way that you've wired her, the gifts you've given her. Um, I'm just thankful that she's not moving out of town, that she's still going to be around, Lord. But thank you for just the way that you've used her to impact lives. Um, and so, Lord, would you bless her and would you keep her? Would you open a great door for her next chapter um, where she is, can bring the light of Christ to that place? And so, Lord, we, we thank you for her and pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys, it's time for late night. Go have some good time. Enjoy.